What up, witches? Thank you so much for downloading our podcast. This is our review for the fifth episode of American Horror Story Coven called Burn Witch Burn. My apologies to Puerto Ricans for this episode. Lilari's daughter is not Boricua, but her name is Borquita. I was so close. Too much reggaeton for me. Hey, guess what? We're on iTunes. We're also on Facebook at facebook.com slash this American Horror Story Podcast. Good evening, everybody, and welcome to This American Horror Story Podcast, an unofficial podcast about the FX hit show American Horror Story. I'm your host, Tyler Moss, here with my co-host, Chris Houston. What's up, everyone? What's going on, Tyler? Not much, my friend. We are recording uh, a little bit later than normal tonight. We're doing a late night. It feels a little bit quiet outside, a little bit eerie. I'm kind of liking the feeling. Um, Kind of good vibes. I'm thinking we'll be able to have some good discussion in this sort of environment. What are your thoughts? I think you better look right behind you. Oh, shit. There's a zombie. (laughs) What you all should know is that when we talk to each other, we are Skyping. And so I am able to see behind me in the little camera in the right bottom right-hand corner. (laughs) Oh, yeah, you can. (laughs) But no one else can see. Uh, No. So you just, clearly you just scared all of our listeners. Uh, What are you drinking this evening, my friend? I, I would say, I, I, everyone, please check. If you're driving, listening to this, always check your back seat before you get in. Absolutely. Uh, I'm drinking just some apple cider right now. I had a glass of wine when I was watching the episode, but since it's so late, I didn't really want to keep it going. I didn't want to keep the party going, um, drinking-wise. That's fair. Although I kind of am. What are you drinking? I'm drinking a, a Baltic-style porter lager brewed with pumpkin and spices from... Uh, collaboration beer between 21st Amendment Brewery and Elysian Brewery called He Said, He Said, and it is delicious. It is a perfect late night drink. <laughs> I should, yeah, I should have like port or something. I sound like a commercial <laughs> right now, I think. <laughs> you you kind of do. We need to up, we need to up it uh, here. Um, uh, can I give a huge shout out to how many people responded to us this past week via email and Facebook um and people downloading every every week like there's more and more people downloading like it, it's crazy I, I don't know what how it's getting around or how people are hearing about it but maybe it's just maybe we're just showing up on people's radars on facebook or something but it's insane um how many people are downloading us right now so huge thanks to everyone doing that that's incredible we didn't ever think that we would have this many people listening to us blabber on absolutely super excited about the feedback we've been getting and about the like you said the number of people we have listening and we definitely appreciate all those responses coming in and i do want to talk about some of those theories real quick before we roll into um this particular episode all right let's do it so we had a lot of discussion about who people thought the next Supreme was. It seems like, from what I could tell from the responses we got, there was a lot of split between the obvious choice, which is Zoe, and I feel like there was kind of a um, second group that was hoping it's going to be Misty. Right, right. That those are the two main people that people are, uh, or that uh, there's a lot of uh, guessing about. Absolutely. So those two seem to be kind of in the majority. Uh, who's the dark horse? Do you still think it could be 
Um, Cordelia? No, God, I think... She, dude, she's showing a new power right now, too. Yeah, yeah, well... There's well, a lot well, of new powers popping maybe. up. Maybe. Well, we'll talk about that. I mean, okay. I, I think it's Zoe still, but we'll get... I think we'll get to that. I mean... I think she's the obvious choice, and I, part of me wants to be like, oh no, that's way too obvious, but at the same time, it's like, they're, they're hitting you over the head a little bit with it, so it's kind of, I don't know. Right. Um, but excited to get there. But that was that was, that was some good feedback we received. Um, anything, what, else, what were some of the other things from the emails? Anything else you wanted to talk about? That was the main one. Um, and some of the other ones were addressing what people thought, uh, peop- what they thought um cordelia got hit uh hit in the face with whatever that was and that obviously was answered in we think that's basically answered in this episode so i think we can just address that when we get to it i'd agree with that too mm-hmm. um i will say i'll put out there the theme of this episode i think and i'm pretty sure you would think this too i think it could have been a mother's day episode to be honest mm, i was gonna absolutely um, <laughs> you hit the nail on but, the head. continue Regretful mothers trying to make amends too late. Oh man, I put an all bold in here. I put motherhood. It was, seemed to be such yeah. a huge, <laughs> such a huge topic. Um, so, with that in mind, let's dive into this episode. But of course, but first, I want to remind everybody to check us out on iTunes, rate us, review us, critique us. We super appreciate it, and we appreciate everything that's come in. This American Horror Story podcast. Of course, you can email us at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com and like our podcast on Facebook at This American Horror Story Podcast. We do look at your ideas and everything there as well. Oh, which does bring me to one, two more quick points I think we should make. First of all being American Horror Story today was officially re- renewed uh, for season four. Woo! So we will be back next right. season, which I think we can all be super psyched about. Um, we did have someone, I think, post and say... Do you have any ideas right now as to what next season will be? Of course, we'll have a whole discussion about that at the end of this season. Off the top of your head, I just want you to pick right. something. If if you just if you just had to think off the top of your head, throw something out there right now, though. Well, I would say zombies, but they're doing it. Um, you, you go, you go. What, what would you? Say? I still want haunted hotel, but that's. I think I said that last time, last season too. Yeah, maybe, well, we kind of did ghosts in the house. We've done ghosts, we've done witches, we've done supernatural, we've done aliens, we've done, I guess, technically zombies. Maybe more, no, because satanic and demons, that's kind of happening right now, too. I We've done serial killers. <laughs> Man, they're just, they're like quadruple dipping in every season, so who knows what's left. We'll think about that, though. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that'll be something fun. I'm sure about. that Ryan Murphy will give us an episode where the he'll be like, okay, there's going to be a hint in this episode, mm. and then everyone will pick it apart trying to figure out what it was, like we did with Connie. As we will, absolutely. And also, there is word out that Connie Britton may be returning, which I thought you must be super psyched about, because I think oh. you've mentioned on here a number of times how much you ho- you wished Connie had been back. You can't see it, but I'm crumping over here because I'm so excited. Oh, if, Actually, you can see it. Other people <laughs> I, can't see it. I can see it. I'll, I'll let you all... The rest of you don't want to see it, let me tell you. But he's he's working it right now. But that is something we... <laughs> a little body roll. Oh, man. Please. <laughs> no more. It's too late. Put it away, Chris. Too late. Put it away. But... Uh, no, I would love that. I, I hope... And this is great. Season four, Connie Britton comes back. Season four, I think, is the last season that... Uh, Jessica Lang is committed to uh, with her contracts so. as of right now. I believe you're correct about right. that. Right, as of right now, yeah. Anyway, 
We should probably start this episode. Yeah, without further ado, let's dive into this episode, which is titled Burn Witch Burn. Very appropriate. Yeah. Anyway, we start back in time, once again, 1833, at uh, Madame LaLaurie's Halloween party in 1833. Um, It kind of starts out with uh, her oldest daughter... Um, being courted by a man who I thought looked somewhat close to Mark Ruffalo. I don't know if you felt like that at all. <laughs> yeah, I could see Even that. sounded like him just a tad bit. And um, Jacques is the governor's son. Right. And LaLaurie decides that in order to test his strength as a man, she wants to introduce him to her chamber of horrors and see if he can take it. So he goes... After, after he introduces she introduces him to... Boricua. <laughs> it's not Boricua, but it's uh Bo- what's her name? His her daughter's, the daughter's name. daughter's name. It's some something that has like a French sound like that. I don't, I don't remember exactly what it is. But so they take him to It's definitely not Boricua. It's not a reggaeton song. It, it's but... close enough. We'll go with Boricua. I like that. Um <laughs> so she takes him to I mean Bokita. Bokita. That's it. Uh-huh. And so she doesn't actually take him to her, like, torture chamber, which is kind of what I thought she might actually do. Um, right. Because where else would be her chamber of horrors? But this is just one she made to be creepy. And it was particularly disturbing because you think about it as a child, like, going to a haunted house and... Um, you know, haunted houses for kids where they do peel... Like, do peel... I don't know if you ever had, like, your... You know, go someplace where, like, grapes. your parents set this up and they do peel grapes and you've, you're supposed to put your hand in and they feel like eyeballs or something like that. Of course, this guy has a similar experience where she asks him to stick his hand in and see what those objects are. And they're the eyeballs that she's cut out of these eye sockets of her slaves. So they are real eyeballs. And then she has another like glass dish of intestine, I think it is. Like it's some sort of horror buffet kind of thing. It's all in really nice silverware. Um, And he freaks out and runs away. And she basically says that he's not man enough because man he enough. couldn't stomach looking at her nasty shit that she put into these. I mean, obviously, she was just sadistic and terrible. Did he think they were real once he saw them, or was he still just grossed out, or was he just grossed out by the whole concept? I figured, well, because there's no way he thought they were real. I think if he thought they were real, then he would like report her to the police. Or well, unless those ru- the unless like the rumors about her maybe were already floating around, but it's just like she had so much influence that she was not. You yeah, know, people weren't going to investigate her, and it's just confirmed some of that stuff. I don't know. I mean, if he thought it was fake, you wouldn't think that it would bother him so much. I, I'm not entirely uh, sure. I t- right. Th- this this whole sequence I thought was a nod to Sleepaway Camp Two. Obscure reference, enlightenment. Yes, uh, but that's a really cult B-horror slasher film where the killer is this transgendered female. And she is a camp counselor and the kids are going around feeling, uh, sticking their hand in. They're doing the eyeballs with the grapes and stuff. And when it comes to her um, section, she, or her, her bowl, she's, she's, you know she's the murderer from the beginning. And she's, the kids stick their hands at it, like, ew, what is this? And she goes, teenage brains, teenage brains. As they, And they keep going through, they go, gross. But she, I mean, it really was teenage brains. <laughs> anyway, that, I thought that was a nod to that. If it was, that is a pretty obscure but awesome 
reference because oh. that is like a cult horror film. Oh, of course. It's it's got to be a nod to that. I mean, I wouldn't put that past Ryan Murphy in a second. So I'm, right, he, would, I, he knows I think you're absolutely right. So good, absolutely, great call on that. Um, I might have to go watch that movie. Worth it. Right. So from there, uh, LaLaurie's daughters are kind of having a little congregation, are basically pissed at family meeting. Uh-huh, and they're basically like, kid meeting. We're never going to get married if mom keeps showing our potential suitors <laughs> the eyeballs of her, her dead slaves. <laughs> so for very selfish reasons, they discuss potentially killing their mother. Yeah. And this family's so screwed up. Turns out that LaLaurie overhears, she must have some powerful hearing, but somehow she overhears. And has her daughters dragged up to her torture chamber and puts them in cages. And says she's not going to let them out for an entire year. And that for the ringleader, which I think is... Will you say that one's name again? I think she's the one, right, that's supposed to be the ringleader? Borkita. Borkita. I think she is the one that... Lori says she's going to stuff her mouth with shit on Christmas. <laughs> I don't. I don't remember if that was her or not. I thought she was. That was the blonde. But maybe I don't know. I, I couldn't tell. Regardless, horrifying. Either and way, disgusting. No <laughs> yeah. matter what. Um, Why do you think she does this? Like, is this a power move on her on her part? Or obviously, it's not just racism. It's it's something else where she has to be in charge. Oh well, I mean, I think you're right. I think you. We talked about this before that it's just about her being an ultimate power and like beating people over the head with her sense of superiority. And if she she must have actually heard them conspiring against her, and that was obviously she couldn't have that imbalance of power, so she had to put them in their place. She had to beat them down so much that they would never defy her again. And I mean, right? They are hell punished. of a punishment. Um, so we flash back to the modern day. Where she sees her daughter has her daughter's zombies at the front door, which we had hinted at the end of last um, last episode. And uh, she's got a great quote here that says, "All hell has opened up on our doorstep." Now, I wanted to ask you a question here. Um, well, why don't we start with you? Well, first of all, you answer the same question. Why do you think she did that to her daughters? Uh, why? Why? Why did Lalari? Do that to her. Like, well, yeah, well, why such excessive punishment? Yeah. Oh uh, yeah, like I agreed with what you said. I mean, I think it's just she needs to be in charge. She needs to be in control. She needs power. And if it slips away from her, she trips out and needs to readjust that and uh, put herself or, or uh, fix that imbalance. Absolutely. Okay. And I want to hit you with another question, which I think is almost the more important one because this is something that we were kind of discussing intensely last episode, which is. After seeing this scene, are you still feeling bad for her? Okay, so I knew you would ask this. And I, I, it reminded me that she's an awful, awful person. Absolutely. But then, you know, juxtaposed with how we see her interacting with Queenie in the second half of this episode, I, I do feel like she's not redeemed, but she will, she's at least attempting to be different. Or she's she's learning to modify her behavior and correct herself. She is, and so I guess, and I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. So I mean, is that how are we supposed to feel about her at the end of this episode? Right. I I think we I, I think we're supposed to I think we're supposed to feel bad for her a little bit. Uh, whether you you feel bad, like you sympathize with her, and, and you 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 in turn you com- you care for her. That's different than just being like, oh, well, that would suck if I were in her shoes. You know, empathizing with her, I think, is what we all would do because of losing your children type 
of a thing but but in the end if you do care about her that that's a little more further along than i'm actually at either i think i i just feel like okay she's trying to change she was a shitty person and now she's just kind of a shitty person right but she's learning I agree with you, and you know what? I think that they are, what you're kind of going through emotionally is exactly what they intended. I think that they're, like, kind of trying to manipulate us and take advantage of us, and that, you know, last episode or the episode before, whatever, they're kind of trying to make us feel kind of bad for her and stuff like that. And feel Damn like it, she's you're right, I'm being manipulated. And I think the reason they had this scene at the opening of this episode is just so that way they could remind us that she's terrible and make you feel bad about maybe feeling sympathetic for her again. But then again, right. by the end of this same episode, you're almost feeling sympathetic for her once again. So I think that the whole point of it is just to screw with your emotions like that. <sighs> and it's so hard, too, because Kathy Bates is fantastic at playing this role at just over the top and silly and ridiculous and Mm -hmm. like fun it's so exaggerated she's hilarious at at it and it it makes it harder to hate her because when she's so ridiculous Uh, it's almost it's larger than life for sure but uh, clearly that's what this a role like this um right and also she's in a position where her her character right now is in a position of non-power like she's inferior to fiona who's running the show and who puts her in her place constantly yeah exactly so i wonder if that's gonna ever uh bubble over into a a standoff between the two of them should lilari ever get the upper hand some type of an upper hand or at least make her even with uh fiona interesting point but it's hard to foresee how that can be possible right now where lilari doesn't have any powers but i think that's an excellent question to ask Right. I also think that we should point out that we've always discussed how these opening scenes before the credit sequence set the tone for the rest of the episode, and clearly motherhood is a motherhood. Huge part yeah, of that's scene. yeah, right. Okay, just how you treated your kids and how you wish you had treated them. Exactly, which is a perfect segue into the kind of next motherhood scene that we're going to talk about, which is uh, Cordelia screaming in the restaurant. So we pick exactly up from where we start left off last episode, where some thing. In a in, you know hooded figure uh, throws mm-hmm. some substance into Cordelia's eyes that seem to burn. I mean, burn her eyes basically. So right. we hear her screaming from the bathroom, which is where she had been throwing up from drinking too much at this restaurant. And Fiona runs over and she's like stumbling out of the bathroom, hands on her eyes. They're kind of like grossly burned. Uh, I think Fiona even describes them as like marbles. And we have this whole kind of slow motion sequence. We're in the emergency room. Fiona's taking pills. Uh, the doctor tells her that Cordelia was hit with sulfuric acid and that it dissolved her optic nerves and she's essentially going to be blind. Blind, right. Right. So uh, Fiona's... W- I have a question for you on this. Hit me, yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, obviously, we kind of get a hint at this later on, but my first thought is what, what's the significance of destroying her eyesight? I mean, I, obviously, like, later on, we kind of see her have some type of foresight or some type of visions. So I, I think that's... Right. My, I, initial, I, that's... my initial answer would be that it has something to do with this new power we're seeing. Mm-hmm. That maybe okay, her yeah. regular vision is gone, but she has some sort of third eye that is now open. Right. Or, yeah, somehow 
it seems as if somehow her not having vision opened a power that we didn't know she had. But um, right. yeah, what do you think? Yeah, that's exactly. I mean, that's what I thought. Mm-hmm. I, well, once it first happened, I was like, I don't know. I was like, I, I need to figure out an answer to why her eyes got burned, and then half an hour later, we kind of see why, mm-hmm. or at least we have a good idea why, because it opens right. up another type of sight that she has. absolutely. Um, and kind of leading up to this, I want to talk about this hospital scene for a second. This scene was crazy fantastic. Super well shot. The camera is constantly moving. Um, Jeremy Podeswa. Yeah, directed. excellently. Or very well directed. Fiona's out of pills. She goes wandering. She ends up stealing more pills. In a spooky-ass hospital. And I, Okay, so this is a question I had for you that I wasn't entirely sure of the answer. Um, well, first of all, it's mentioned she's like, after she takes the pills, she's in the hall, um, the lights are flickering, it's super desolate, then there's some creepy people, it reminds me of the asylum, I don't know if you felt the same way. Um, oh yeah, totally, flickering lights, and like when the lights, it also reminds me like of like, random crazy people, like, like walking around, yes, and she, she imagines that she sees this cloaked figure further down the hall, walking into the elevator, um, and also she, this man in underwear grabs her and tells her that she, that she might as well have thrown acid, uh, on her own, on her own daughter's face. So, with all this going on, this bouncing around, is the hospital really this desolate, or is this just like her state of mind on these pills? I I mean, realistically, it has to be her state of mind because there's no way a hospital would look like this, right? But you know, who knows? In in the minds of Falchuk and Murphy, this could be <laughs> their idea of what the basement level of the hospital would be. I I you know. It, it's it's I mean it's atmosphere it's mood so I, I took it more as her hazy experience. What about you? I did as well, and I'm I'm inclined to kind of hope or I like that idea better. I guess as a viewer, that's I think that's a more interesting perspective to think that we're seeing the world kind of through her perspective. But at the same time, Super. what I think is cool about it is we're seeing the world through her perspective, but not through her eyes necessarily. Which is what makes it particularly disorienting. It's like we're right. looking at her at certain times, of course, but also the camera's still kind of woozy and moving and stuff like that. So, I, I, I mean, super neat scene, but I would be inclined to agree with you that, you know, we're feeling kind of her same dazed high at this point in time. And, and then she stumbles into <laughs> the weirdest room ever. absolutely a lot of a lot of stuff talking about in this scene she goes into a room with a girl who had just had a stillborn baby she gives the stillborn baby back to the mother she makes her talk not a nurse or doctor in sight the doctor baby's in still in the room in a, a little just lying there the thing. mother's crying at the time she makes the mother talk to the baby tells her she makes the mother tell the baby that she loves her she's never going to leave her all this different stuff camera's of course still kind of moving and woozy at this whole time and Fiona right. ultimately brings the baby back to life, which is what I was definitely hoping was going to happen, because otherwise this was going to be super dark and morbid. Totally. They, they kind of had to have that happen, or it was going to be like, what the fuck is going on here? This is gross. Um, what was the point of this scene? I mean, obviously it's her coming to terms with how shitty of a mother she was, right? She's, you know, she sees an opportunity for someone to be a good mother, and she's projecting all her inadequacies as a mother uh, when she raised Cordelia because obviously Cordelia as we saw earlier she's actually really tripping about Cordelia she's really upset about that uh, with the the face and the eyes so she's trying she's projecting all these emotions and regrets she's had 
as a mother onto this mother with the stillborn and trying to get her to make these promises that she wished she had kept or not made at all, but make those promises or keep those promises uh, for her daughter. Uh, what, is that what you thought too? It's exactly what I thought and that she's, you know, she's in a position where she has no power right now over what happened to her daughter. I mean, we're not really sure the extent of her healing power. She's able to bring life back to a dead thing, but she's not able to heal a wound, it appears, like this. Good point. So Good it point. makes us wonder what, you know, what her powers specifically are. But I do think what it's supposed to represent, like you said, is, you know, she she's in a situation in which her actions have led to her daughter being um, blinded or suffering in one way or another. And here's a situation in which she can have an influence on a different mother and child. And so she, of course, intervenes. Um, now, the um, other question I had for you here is, do you think this is a watershed moment in the relationship between Cordelia and Fiona moving forward? I, I think so. I think so. I think this is where they're going to, they're, they're, it's kind of a pivotal moment in their relationship. Um, but then again, we haven't heard from Cordelia yet outside of her screaming uh, and, you know, obviously in pain and her interaction with Hank. So it'll be interesting to see how she reacts to the situation to see where the relationship between the two of them goes from here. What do you what are you thinking? I think the same thing. I think that it, it's obviously it's going to have to have an effect of some kind. Um and I'm assuming that it will well I, I I'm hoping it's for the better, I guess, and that now, I mean, Cordelia in a lot of ways is going to have to rely on Fiona more. She's not if she can't see, then her mother's going to have to, in some ways, take care of her, especially if Hank isn't around, which he may not be moving forward. And so right. I do think this might fundamentally change the relationship. Speaking of Hank, he shows up at the hospital finally. Fiona right. totally trashes him, uh, go, but really this, just goes on about how he's a lazy loser. So we know that she's not reading his mind and doesn't know all the other shady shit he's doing. Right. Right, yeah, she just thinks he's a a, a scrub. <laughs> I like, but I like always like uh, hopping around from job to job. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And one of them apparently is kill as a killer. <laughs> apparently, and she gives him fifteen minutes to be with Cordelia before she's going to send him on his way. Uh, and he, of course, is you know touching her, talking to her, and when he finally puts a hand on her thigh or whatever, she's able to see the what he just did though what we saw last scene time that whole scene about him having sex and then killing that random girl he met online um right okay so there, this has a couple questions with this too first of all do you think that he actually loves her because i kind of got that impression a little bit when he's talking to her it seems sincere because she obviously we don't think that she can hear him at this point we think she's out cold right right i actually i i wrote this down for you to ask to ask you too um i i, I mean i they're doing a good job of convincing me. The writers are uh, writer here is uh, Jessica Scharzer. Uh, I'm I'm getting pretty convinced, and and thinking about the way that he interacted with her when they were trying to have the baby, and he seemed like he was pretty patient and like, why don't we do this? Why don't we try this? You know, I know you want it that badly. Let's go for it. So I think he really does. I think he's still a bizarre, confusing character because I have no idea what his motives are ultimately. But it does seem at least 
superficially that he loves her a lot. What do you think? I mean, clearly I, I agree as well. And I think it's important to see that in a situation like this, we realize that, you know, the apparent love and devotion he'd shown to her previously, whether it was at um, the fertility doctors or, you know, when they were trying to make the baby or whatever, that it is authentic and it's not just a facade like, you know, um, it's not a front he's putting up to hide all this other shady stuff he's doing. So it really makes you, it, it even, it just further complicates the situation because you're wondering even more what his motives are um, outside of his relationship with Cordelia. So I think that'll be, I mean, we kind of leave it there when she right. has her, you know, clairvoyance moment and that'll be the next development. The next thing, last, obviously, last question about this scene before we go is, so Cordelia, do you think she's clairvoyant now? Kind of like Nan? No, I think she's got something else or maybe some different way that it's manifesting in her. I I don't know. I don't think it's straight up like telepathic, but I don't, I don't know what it is yet. It's some type of, maybe it is some type of clairvoyance where she can see someone's history or, or know their background. It's obviously going to be a power that's going to come in real useful down the road when, uh, you know, they need it to figure out someone's history maybe queenie's background or something like that i don't know but it's you know i'm excited to see what it turns out to be do you have an idea what you think it is i i i actually i think it's it's at this point my best guess is some form of clairvoyance but i like to think that it's something more complicated like that like you just articulated so i mean we'll see what happens but um, that's kind of the end of that storyline, really, for this episode. So I'm excited to kind of see where that goes from here. That was kind of a cliffhanger for us a little bit. Um, oh, uh, sorry. Before we go on, one quick thing. Do you think that he knows that she's having that moment where, when he touches her that she can see what happened? Or do you think that he just, like, sees um, I think he just sees a reaction yeah. and her go like, <gasps> yeah. And then he's like, uh-oh. Yeah. What's going Something's on? Something's wrong. I would agree with that, too. Yeah. Okay. But it'd be interesting to know it had... Pill Pop and Fiona been in the room and seen that, she probably would have picked up on it and been like, oh, I, I know what's going on here. Or at least have a better idea. Right, right, which is maybe why they had her leave the room strategically. Yeah. Important point. Okay, so back to Miss um, Robichaux's where we had our big cliffhanger where all the zombies were crowding around the house last time. What a great... I, mean, I know this didn't air on Halloween, but this would have made a great Halloween episode on its own. Just this storyline with the, all the girls locked in the house. It was kind of, the, you know, it was part two of the Halloween episode, really. It's right. just kind of a two-part episode. And it, honestly, it totally reminded me of uh, Murder House on in the Halloween episode where uh, Violet is stuck in the house and Rubberman's running around and the parents are on the phone saying, stay in the house because they, they think bad stuff's the... the Guy with the burned face is gonna come knock. Larry's gonna come knock on the door and and break in. But really, the danger's in the house. Mm-hmm. Anyway, I I I, I felt uh, vibes of that danger in the house. Absolutely, and that was uh, the situation here. And really, at first, the zombies are just kind of hanging around outside, not doing anything, um, chilling. Oh, it's creepy. It reminds me of like ah, I don't know. It was great. It was great. I love zombies as you do. Oh so. yeah, until of course. Um, Marie Laveau gives them the cue to go, but uh, look, look, just look, just look in time me. when two two chumps show up to get slaughtered. Oh yeah, <laughs> some very comedic moments here. Really, we have Luke, the neighbor, being like, "Oh, I'm just going to go tell these uh, whoever these kids are that are messing with you. I'm going to go out and be brave and, yeah. and tell them to go away." Yeah. 
Are you, look, are you looking at those? Are, those are not kids. So he's out there yelling <laughs> in their face and stuff like that. Cut to Marie Laveau doing this zombie float, which, by the way, mm-hmm. it, it, that looked super fake to me. I don't know if you felt like that. Like, uh, her, I couldn't really. I didn't really think of it that way. I just I was like, oh, she's floating. Yeah, I thought that looked, looked ridiculous. <laughs> you probably have HD. I don't have HD. <laughs> watching this, <laughs> I thought it looked pretty pretty ridiculous. But regardless, she's over there floating in her little zombie ch- or in her voodoo chamber, and she tells the zombies she like gives them the signal to go, and all of a sudden they yeah they turn to those trick or treater kids or whatever and start slaughtering them. Yeah, um, this is also when when Zoe's when they're all peeking out the windows. Zoe's like, close the drapes, close, shut the doors, shut the windows, close the drapes. And Anne's like, um, I think they know we're home. Yeah, we're not exactly going to be hiding from these things. <laughs> also, I'm totally feeling Zoe's hats. Oh, not she, gonna she lie. has some badass She's hats got cool hats. Set, for sure. Especially the one. Mm-hmm. This one she's wearing in this scene. Awesome. Progression of her powers are parallel to the progression of her fashionable The hats. style of her hats. Mm. Maybe <laughs> we'll have to keep an eye on yeah, that. Yeah, we'll have to see if that continues. Uh, anyway, so Luke gets stabbed out in, like, in the back, <laughs> out in the ER somewhere. I think he just, no, I think he just gets whacked in the back, I thought. No, because at one point like, he with, says he's bleeding out, remember? He said uh, oh, yeah. in a taxi or something like that, he said he might be bleeding out. I thought he got like a... It was like a... Some sort of blade in his back, like oh uh, maybe. Like maybe. he was bleeding out his back. I thought it was like a, like a fire poker type thing. He just got hit in the back and it cut part. Oh, of his maybe too. Whatever, know. whatever it is, it break. Like he's hurt. He's he's hurt. And uh, Nan wants to go out there and save him. They try to convince Aww. Spalding to help out in some way. They're like, well, maybe we can go hide in your room. And of course, he immediately shakes his head uh-uh. because dead Madison's up there. Um, so Nan decides she's going to run outside and save Luke. So she runs out. It pulls him into a car. Um, so, pretty brave moment here with Nan. That was kind of cool. And she- that was cool. And also, a huge nod to my favorite zombie movie and the zombie movie that kicked everything off, George Romero's Night of the Living Dead, mm-hmm. when the boyfriend and girlfriend run from the gas station and get stuck in the car and hide in the car when the zombies... Uh, Descend in the uh, car, collapse all over, all, all over the car. Exactly. Such... I mean, classic zombie homage there. From of course a classic yes. zombie movie. It was a great scene. Yep. They're starting to break open the windows and stuff. I thought that I don't know. I, for a moment, I was actually worried that they might kill them both here. I thought we would lose one of them. I didn't think we'd lose both. And I, 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 I thought we would lose Nan. To be honest, really, I thought we would lose Luke for sure. Um, well, I feel so... like we didn't know Luke enough yet. And Nan hasn't really done much besides fall in love with Luke and. Make funny comments, so... That's true. Well, I guess that's why we don't know her that well yet, either. Mm-hmm. I like Nan, though. I, I, I would want her to stay, hands down, way more than Luke. Right. Well, and but of course, neither one disappears, because Zoe is able to lead the zombies away by banging some pots and pans together. They... <laughs> Whenever people do this, they never have their plan after that. <laughs> well, I mean, I guess it is all in the moment. And if she has to do something to lead them away, she doesn't have a whole That's lot of time true. to think. And she's not right. exactly going to ha- sex them to death. <laughs> so, yeah, I know. <laughs> she's gonna That's a joke I make every time I see her try to do something. I'm like, oh, God, is she going to go, you know, bang him to death? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's, little, it's, it's low. All right, zombies, line up. It's, it's low-hanging fruit. Where we apologize, listeners, but we can't help but hit it. <laughs> Uh, in the meantime of course Lori is taking care of Queenie inside Um, she's gonna go (laughs) down how funny would that be (laughs) she's gonna go downstairs and get some ice for for Queenie and her daughter's hanging out outside and this is the same daughter from the beginning right 
Boricua Right. And she opens the door and lets her in. She wants to make amends with the daughter. She feels bad. Um, she wonders if the zombie has any trace of humanity left in it and still knows who she is. And all of a sudden it has this moment where just kind of like, after looking at the floor for a minute or two while she's kind of monologuing to it, it just looks up and starts choking her. Pretty creepy, right? Yeah, that was, I mean, I, I did, you know, come on, girl. We all know that what's going to happen there. What are you doing? You never, you, ne- you never let her into the house. You never let her into the house. Always a terrible idea. <laughs> In the meantime, Spalding's attacked by zombie upstairs, which is this. It was the same daughter, right? The same daughter must let go of Lalori at some point, and yeah, maybe she strangles Lalori till she passes out. The zombie thinks she's dead and then goes upstairs, maybe or yeah, something like that. Because Lalori looks kind of disheveled when she gets up there. <laughs> but the zombie daughter goes up, beats uh, Spalding, Spalding over the head. head with a candlestick, and then comes in to kill Queenie. This Queen. scene was sick. It was cool. We do get we finally get to see Queenie reuse her voodoo powers a couple times in this episode, which is always really interesting. So tight, she tries to yeah. cut her own throat to kill the zombie, yeah. and it doesn't work, which was obvious. That was crazy because the zombie's neck just the slit happened, and then like pff, sand came out. Or oh something. yeah, it was that gross. Was... It was very creative <laughs> and cool. I'm glad that they're still we're still getting to see that use because yeah, it's a, such a that's a such a neat bizarre power. power. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and of course, Lori comes in to stay of the day by stabbing the zombie through the heart or something like that. It looked like it that. Yeah, with, with some fire poker or special thing. So maybe to kill these zombies, you kill their heart instead of their brain. You know, interesting. Uh, but of course, after the zombie is dead, well, Lori's really upset and she said something about her having. You know, she had a monster for her mother. This was the only kindness I ever did for her. So once right. again, we kind of see her being a really, feeling really bad about the horrible, horrible, horrible thing she did as a mother. Right. Uh, and then Queenie consoles her, though. She and, does. And Lalari puts her head on Queenie's bosom, and they kind of bond. Right. I mean, I don't know if you would New call this irony, really, or what well, I mean... Lalori seems to be reforming, but at the same time, you know, like we said after watching that beginning part, it's really hard for me to feel sympathy for. She was just such a. I mean, I think that's what they're doing is they're testing us to see like how much how horrible a person can be. Like, is there such a thing as is there redemption at any level, basically, for like no matter how horrible and sadistic a person can be? And I'm not right. I'm not sure the answer to that. Do you? I mean, we I guess we already talked about this a little bit, so. Yeah, but yeah. I mean, yeah. I, I obviously have a much warmer, softer heart than you do, where I'm more forgiving. But I don't know if that's all. That well, I know that that's pretty much not forgi- unforgivable for the most part. Sure. What she's done, sure. Well, but she can work her way toward being a better person, is what I give her. No, and I understand where you're coming from because I think they are intentionally manip- trying to manipulate us like that. And so I think that it's it, it's good to hear have that perspective from you about how it's listen like, to that ice cold heart. I know they're manipulating me, dude. They're <laughs> totally manipulating you. Totally manipulating. The whole thing's manipulation. <laughs> it is. It is. That's what they do. <laughs> it's true. Okay. Um, but I will say that. Lolari isn't done, I think, being evil in this present time. I think we will see some, somehow it's going to present itself again. Or maybe the opportunity to be evil will present itself again, and we'll see her make a choice and decide if she's going to, you know, be this, you know, less powerful but more honest person. Not a good person by any means, just just a better person than she was. Or if she'll just continue down her vain path. Or path of vanity where she wants to be 
beautiful and in power. And I really, obviously, I know we've seen um, what's her face, um, Fiona, say like, "There's nothing more that I hate than a racist." But I don't really believe that Lulari is a racist anymore. I think it really was just a power thing because over the slaves, she automatically had power, so it was easier. But then the way we see her treat her daughters who aren't of a different race and they're her family, she still treats them uh, in a power play uh, as inferior. So, you know, maybe she's just, she just has this weird power trip. I, you know, I don't know what, why it's there. I agree with you too. I think she's just a psychopath or a yes. sociopath. Yeah. Um, sociopath. Yeah. And I think that's an interesting thing. To, I think you have an interesting point about her not being done with being kind of a bad guy. I think that it's they're either going to go that way or the complete opposite, and she's going to pay. She's going to like pay the ultimate pay price for redemption by sacrificing her life. It's going to be yeah. Bad. I could see that too. Mm-hmm. That's the only way she would be able to quasi redeem herself. It, yeah, in like like exactly. It would be. I don't even know if it would really be redemption, but it would be the closest thing she can get at this point. She could get yeah exactly. So Luke and Nan are in the car. Um, Luke's bleeding out. They're about to be pretty much, pretty much killed when um, she pulls she, she pulls him out of the ran. car. They're trying to go inside, but he's you know he, he's too weak to go. The zombies descend on them until Zoe shows up with a fucking chainsaw. This scene is Dude. this is a pretty awesome scene. Obviously, There's another homage. homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Tex- Leatherface in the house. Absolutely. Um, some really intense chainsaw scenes where she's cutting their heads off, which is the first one. So tight. The one where she cuts it entirely in half from top to <laughs> bottom. Like that's such a that's such a like exactly like what happens in like crazy like slasher films in the eighties and nineties. Oh, absolutely! It was such a homage. Oh. It was this was super cool. I, I loved definitely it. love this part. Um, and of course, Zoe's more of a badass than we realized. Um, but when it comes to protecting her friends, we've kind of seen her be... She's stepping her game she up. She steps her game up. Mm-hmm. And, of course, she runs out of battery with a chainsaw. There's one zombie left. Um, and she summons some power we hadn't seen before to knock out the zombie. Yeah, she says she says some incantation and then like uses her hand and then something happens. And then, yeah, we see... Uh, Marie Laveau just boom hit the floor right and she's like oh snap there's they got some there's some superpower over in that house now right there's some real power in that witch house now which is I mean obviously that's why you know they're either they're trying to make us think it's think it's that the next supreme is now Zoe or they're really telling us the next supreme is Zoe after this and I mean this is the first time we've seen her well not necessarily because after having, I mean, well, yeah, it could just be more power. I mean, well, but, uh, but Madison got a new power, and she wasn't the supreme. Well, but we'd also questioned before whether or not it was Zoe herself who brought Kyle back to life with the necromancy, or whether it was Misty walking by. But maybe it really mm-hmm. was Zoe herself that was that did it. Yeah. You know, and maybe that's how Mad- maybe that's how Madison's going to come back to life. Is that Zoe's going to have the necromancy power and is able to bring her back when she kind of realizes the extent of her power? I'm inclined to think the next supreme is Zoe right now. I don't think they're screwing with us. What's, what, what do you think? I I I have no idea. <laughs> I mean, obviously, I'm with the evidence presented to me. I think it's going to be Zoe, mm-hmm. but we don't, we haven't seen Misty in like two episodes. So no, she was in this episode, but just you know, well, barely. Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> she's just doing her same old thing. Same old thing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, Zo- or uh, Misty doing Misty. 
doing the misty that's what we'll call just like being a like (laughs) weird hippie and bringing people back to life randomly yeah Um, i wonder what she said what did zoe say though like it was like some language i was gonna ask you the same thing because i didn't i wasn't able to hear it i don't have a dvr so i wasn't able to turn it back and hear what it says if if any of you listeners have a dvr or something and you really paid close attention to what she said please let us know by posting it on the facebook or sending us uh an email because i'm interested what did it do did it just kill... Did the zombie fall over? I kind of forget. It, it, yeah, it, it just seemed to like turn the zombie off, basically, is what it seemed yeah. like. And obviously... Uh, Shut it down. Whatever she did had an effect on Laveau, who was, like, Floating you know, sending her trance. power through the zombie. So she was she did something which somehow connected back to the source of this witchcraft and knocked her out. Right. So we go to the next day, and Fiona's back home. Um, they're burning the zombie bodies... Which I just like how, you know, no one ever matter, notices matter the fact. zombies were descending yeah. on this house. They're what just the burning bodies in the yard. And no, <laughs> no big deal. Luke is asleep inside in Nan's bed, recovering from his injuries. And Patty Lapone is, is not looking for him, strangely. None the wiser. Maybe Luke wanders out and disappears for days at a time normally. Um, but it seems like she runs a pretty tight ship, so I don't know about that. Fiona gives Zoe a compliment about her fighting style, but does not yet seem to guess that she's the Supreme. We don't know that Fiona is aware of Zoe's new power. She might just no, she might not. just know. I she yeah, I think she just knows about the chainsaw thing. So she doesn't right. necessarily about this new power. She under respect though, I thought, you know. Yes. She, she she's not she's not this weakling that she called her out as a couple episodes ago. Mm-hmm. And we have this like kind of maybe bonding moment between Lalori and Fiona out by the fire. Lalori wants to think <laughs> it's a bonding moment. They're both yeah. talking about being mothers. Lalori, of course, is you know they're burning the corpses of her daughters, and she said they deserved a better mother than I could ever hope to be. And Fiona kind of says, "Well, same thing about." Cordelia. I know exactly how you feel. And Lalori makes a comment about how this tragedy can maybe bring them closer together, and Fiona immediately dismisses it and says, "Nope, because you're just the maid." <laughs> <laughs> She puts her in her place real fast. I thought that was kind of funny. That was great. The, the two of them together are great. They are great. Um, they're great. I mean, just powerhouse actors acting right there. And speaking and of powerhouse who rolls acting, in? Yeah. The council is back. Hello, Francis Conroy. The council demands immediately Fiona's abdication as Supreme because of all the turmoil the coven has experienced since she's come back from L.A. Um... And we, you know, they say that the coven will now fall under the stewardship of the council, which means essentially it's going to fall under the power of Myrtle Snow, Myrtle who kind Snow. of seems to be the head of the council for the most part. Um, and Fiona accuses Myrtle of trying to steal the coven, and she ends up accusing Myrtle of being the one who threw acid on Cordelia. And of course, we have this very dramatic scene where she, um, Pulls off Myrtle's glove, and we see that there's burns from where the acid uh, would have burned her hand. We also see Fiona showing an image of. Um, we see kind of a flashback of Fiona going to this apartment where in the hospital, Myrtle was right? in. Oh, the, in the right in New the Orleans yeah. before the rest of the council noticed she was there, and it looked like she had like this. It looked like a like a crazy serial killer collage right. of pictures of Fiona with like pentagrams on it on the wall. Staying in the ha- in that apartment or that hotel under Veronica Lake's character in that movie, where she's a witch or something like that. Yeah, I don't remember the exact name, but yeah, it was under uh, guys from a movie. I don't know if there was more to that illusion than 
I realize that that we'll have to look into it. But they're going like she convinces them that Myrtle is uh, bad, basically, and they're going guilty, and they're going to burn her. But okay, so let's not talk about the truth that comes out later. But first, did you were you convinced that Myrtle? Was the one uh, here where you can because like we see that like Fiona says here that she saw Myrtle get in the elevator and all this stuff. Were you convinced that Myrtle was guilty at this point? I wasn't until the glove came off and I and I saw the hand um, burned with the from the sulfuric acid. Uh, and then when seeing her reaction where she's crying like she was caught uh, and and her accepting um, her fate. I was like, oh man, I guess it, I guess this is all real. She did this, right? I I absolutely agree with you. The glove coming off was a dramatic moment, and if she wasn't guilty of something, you think she would have thought it more. Yeah, let's exactly. Keep, let's keep that in mind. But she right. basically does um, admit, you know, accept her fate. And this whole witch burning se- sequence is very strange. First of all, talk, v- tell me, talk about the music arrangement here. Like, very Tarantino is what I wrote down it's so like slow-mo everyone's done up like it's almost like a kill bill moment uh right where something dramatic's about to happen happen where uma thurman's like marching to go battle like you know the crazy eights or any scene like that um but the the song that they play is dr john right place wrong time and it just made it more I don't know, kind of edgy, but modern and edgy and modern, but also kind of uh, uh, an homage, I think, to to like Tarantino style uh, sequences where it's dramatic and slow-mo, but the like the the, the cool hip tunes make it uh, fun. Well, and exactly. I would say it it manipulates your mood in a way in a scene that traditionally would be dark and depressing and. I mean, you're burning someone alive at the stake, but the m- music manipulates your m- music. is It's it's fun. <laughs> right. It's making you think, burn, witch, burn. Yeah, exactly. Um, so very awkward kind of mood, the, mu- the music setting. Uh, Myrtle is dressed all in white with her flaming red hair flowing over her shoulders as opposed to everyone else who's wearing black. They pour gas all over her and... Uh, before Fiona throws a cigarette and lights her up, we have this great... Which, when she lit that cigarette, were you not, like, hoping, like, oh, man, I hope she flicks that cigarette to light. Oh, you had to know that was coming. You knew it was happening. Oh, yeah. (laughs) She's like, she's like Sandy from Greece, you know? She's too smooth. (laughs) (laughs) But, uh, great quote here from Myrtle, which is, you're you're all toads in a pot that Fiona is slowly bringing to a boil, and, like, you're not going to realize you're boiling until it's too late, basically. Which I think is really interesting, but very apt way to describe kind of what's going on. Because really, Fiona's manipulating everybody. She is. Mm -hmm. And we see that after the burn. We do. And I I just love the way, too, that the scene ended by zooming in on Zoe's eye. Kind of Mm -hmm. emphasizing that this was kind of a disturbing moment for, you know, when we hear Myrtle streams. For the younger generation. Mm -hmm. For sure. Anything else more you'd want to say about this scene other than that it was just nuts? She burned pretty quickly. It was like five seconds and then poof. And then like she was dead. <laughs> yeah, maybe that's a witch thing. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but yeah. In, intense scene. 
So we kind of have at the very end here just a few different closing moments that I think, three different ones specifically, that are important. Spalding is in his room, spraying the room for stench, basically. He's wearing his bonnet once more and some high-heeled boots, I noticed, which make him even more creepy and uncomfortable. I read why Murphy chose to do this. He just thought it was creepy and weird. There's no rhyme or reason in an interview I read that why he chose him to be obsessed with dolls. He just thought it was creepy. Really? Because it, it, the automatic inclination is to think that he had some sort of messed up childhood. And so he is like, in it, like mentally, he's still a child and also maybe transgender or something. I, you know. Hmm. Yeah, I think, I don't know, the interview with Murphy is like, nope, I just thought it was weird. And I thought it was creepy and I thought we should, it would be perfect for his character. Well, it's So maybe there is more behind it, but... It certainly yeah. is weird and creepy, but he's spraying yeah. the room for smell and then he opens the chest where Madison's corpse is reeking, apparently, and tries to pull her out, maybe to dress her back up in tea party clothes and rips her arm off, which is... Whoops. Yeah, they're going to have to do some sewing if they're going to put her back together. Um, in the meantime, Fiona's popping more pills in her room... Fiona has some pretty fierce addictions here, I think we could say, at this point in time. And this is when, of course, Queenie comes in, and can, you know, and we are, it's revealed to us that Queenie helped Fiona implicate Myrtle for these crimes. That Queenie was, boy, you know, putting her hand in acid to make Myrtle's hand appear disfigured when they pulled off the glove. I've got a number of questions. Well, first of all. Interesting that for some reason Myrtle doesn't feel pain at this point when up until this point every time, you know, speak like the chicken joint when Queenie sticks her hand into the hot oil that guy completely freaks out. Is that just kind of convenient storytelling on the part of the director? When, wait, when, when Queenie put her hand in the thing, I thought Myrtle goes like, ah, I thought she does react. Does she it. react? Because it seems like yeah, that would be crazy painful. Okay. Uh, yeah, but I think she reacts, but it's not as like dramatic. I Because I, I remember hearing her like ah like but it, but the way it happens in the conversation makes it sound like she's like getting mad or something like that okay that's a good point i'd have to go I back think. and rewatch this sure, part but... the next obvious question is is myrtle innocent what of what we saw from fiona is truth and what is fiction right well obviously we know the fiction is that she ambushed her daughter so we so you don't think she's the hooded figure no i'd agree with that but I do think, obviously, as we know, she's definitely out to get Fiona. <laughs> she is out to get Fiona. I do think she should have argued. Like, I don't understand why she didn't argue it more. Um, right. But maybe she felt like there wasn't a real place for that, I guess. So if we know that if we then, using following this train of logic, if the hooded figure is not her, are we then also to assume that the vision we see of Fiona going to her apartment and seeing all the pentagrams on her picture, is that real? Because she doesn't debate I that either. I thought that was real. You yeah, think that I is real? That was real. Yeah, because she doesn't really deny that. No, she doesn't. But she doesn't deny the other part either, really. Well, I guess, I guess she does up until the gloves pulled off. She does deny that part. So I'm kind of I don't know. It, it, I'm interested to hear more about Myrtle's motives, which it sounds like we will, and about what's. I mean. Once again, as an audience, we're being manipulated about what's reality and what's not. Which seems to be another kind of common theme throughout this episode. Um, it just in speaking of which, Fiona at this point manipulates Queenie, you know, because um, Queenie's saying she can't live with what they did to 
you know, ultimately um, condemn Myrtle to death. And Fiona touches, you know, has to put her hand on her to kind of manipulate her mind into thinking that maybe she's the next Supreme. Which I don't think Fiona believes. I don't know how you feel about that. No, no, she's just manipulating her. Totally. Yep. And so Queenie Brainwash just kind of wanders out of there. Um, in some ways it makes you think, like, the Covenant in some ways is kind of a cult under Fiona as a leader. You know, the way she's able to brainwash and manipulate everybody in it. Well, she also is the Supreme, so it it makes sense if she's, like, the leader of all witches. Right, right. And then the final scene we get here is Misty doing her Misty thing, showing up randomly at the witch burning site. Stray dogs are feasting on Myrtle's charred corpse, which is really gross when we get a close look at it. Um, And Misty, this, you know, episode ends with Misty bringing its, you know, opening its eyes. Quick question here. When Misty brings something back to life, she brought herself back to life after being burned. She obviously brought Kyle back to life. So... The, like, is is Myrtle going to be returned to her former form? Because she was able to heal herself all the way, and Kyle all the way. Or was it that Mississippi mud that, or the you know the mud from the river that she like rubs on on Kyle? But Kyle, but Misty didn't bring Kyle. Well, we don't know who brought Kyle back to life. It could be Zoe. It could be Misty. Mm-hmm. But the mud so. did seem to heal his like seams and stuff like that. So maybe. Right. The mud has some sort of weird she'll become voodoo. Mean, right, she'll come back to look at like her her normal self. I don't know. We'll see. It'd be kind of cool if she didn't, but that 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 look was so awesome. Yeah. No, it was a great way to end the episode. So uh, I've got a number, a few quick questions for you here to kind of wrap this All right, episode we're, up. We're almost at an hour too. Yeah, oh man, we're 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 waxing long on this one. So I'll hit you real quick. First of all, where is Dead Kyle at this point in time? Why is he I don't know, and I don't care. I was so happy he wasn't in this episode. Next question. Yeah, absolutely, we were not very happy with that storyline last episode. So I think no. I agree with you there. <laughs> um, who is really the hooded person? Is it? Uh, do you have any guesses? <sighs> I. I that's hard to know. One of our li- listeners wrote in that she saw, he or she, I forget who wrote it in, but uh, saw the hand was a white person's hand. So it kind of removes uh, Laveau from that uh, um, blame. So I don't know. Maybe it's someone else on the council. Maybe it's, uh, um, What's her face? The um, I, I, It really could be a lot. The, the next door neighbor. It could be Spalding. It could be. One of the other girls, I, I, Nan, maybe I don't know. It could be any anyone, it could, or someone we haven't met yet, I suppose. Yeah, that and that's true. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. Do you? I don't know. No, I I don't have any better guess than you do. I'm inclined to say it's someone we haven't met yet because, like, I don't think it's any. I don't think it's Nan or Zoe or any of them because we they were back at the house being attacked by zombies. You know, I we are we're led to believe that those are happening simultaneously. Right. Um, and the last thing I want to ask is where you think the, excuse me, where you think, uh, the Cordelia and her husband's story is going from here. I don't know. That's, that's another thing that I'm probably least interested in. This whole season is kind of bizarre, the, the story arc. I don't really know what our main story line is here. Are we, is it the battle between Laveau and... Uh, Lalaurie? Is it the battle between Laveau and Fiona? Is it is it the relationships between Fiona and her daughter and Cordelia? I, there's just I, I really don't know what our main. 
maybe it's the the rise and demise of Fiona. I feel like I'm I think a, that's I'm a good sure. point. I think Fiona's at the. I like I like that idea that it's the rise and demise of Fiona because I feel like she's at yeah. the core of everything. I'm inclined to say right. the same thing. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yeah. Um, as far as Cordelia and Hank, um, I don't know because <laughs> I don't know enough about Hank. He's all over the map with his character, so I need to see a little bit more about him and what his deal is and what her new power is, and then maybe we'll have a better idea. Exactly. Um, weird, bizarre story. Normally, I you know I would try to draw something from the clips from next week, but at least when I was watching, they didn't. They said they were going to show clips from next week, and then they didn't. I didn't see any in my viewing, so yeah, I have so, no idea what's happening. Yeah, week. so they didn't they didn't show any clips for next week. So I'm wondering if we have an episode next week. Let's keep an eye on that and we'll Let's see. Check. Yeah. Um But we don't have much to go right. on on that front. So anyway, yeah, I was gonna right. say what what's your my rating? rating? Mm-hmm. Hit me. I feel so lame about this because I've been giving so many episodes a score, but they're all just solid. Nothing's like gone crazy like amazing for me where I'm like, this is insane, not like a few of the episodes last season, but nothing has been subpar. So I give it a four. I loved it. And there was no Kyle in sight, which made it better. And there was limited Hank, which was better. So I say four out of five. I'm going to give you, I'm going to give it a four too. I think that I've given it, I think I gave it a higher score last week. Uh, I think you were four and a quarter. I think I liked last week's episode a little bit better, but I really did like this episode as well. Um, I'm glad they didn't try to fit Kyle in because there really wasn't room for that. And I like all the interesting different kind of stories going on. I There are a number of storylines that you're kind of like, at this point, what's the point of this? But that's just how American Horror Story typically works. And then they end up tying them in later in creative ways we don't foresee. So I'm not too worried about that. And the the burn, witch burning scene might be my MVP season or scene so far for this season. Just because it was so, so outlandish and... Um, stylized and stuff like that. And also the whole scene with um, Fiona in the hospital where we weren't sure whether or not the hospital's just messed up or if we're seeing through her perspective on drugs. There were some really cool scenes, I thought, in this episode. Iconic scenes that are perfect, you know, very American Horror Story in a nutshell. And it was nice to have uh, an episode thematically coherent. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Even though we kind of get hit over the head, beat over the head with the theme multiple times it's still nice to have a, a consistency with uh you know a story's uh story arcs so I, I appreciated that for sure and i definitely still enjoyed it too so that's a solid eight out of ten not bad we're averaging pretty well this season it's, it's yeah it's shaping up season I mean, it is it's been a really good season i'm excited to see what happens next and with that um we have taken you a little bit long everybody sorry about that so we'll go ahead and start wrapping up here chris where can people find more of your information I'm on Twitter, at Chris Husted. Uh Before I ask you, Tyler, where I, I do want to give a shout-out to um, SFist, the blog, who uh, which mentioned us um, uh, a couple weeks ago and I didn't have a chance to shout-out to the editor, Brock Keeling, for that. So thanks for doing that, man. We appreciate the, the love there. And uh, Tyler, where can people find you? People can find me at TJMoss11 on Twitter, and likewise, I very much appreciate the shout-out, too, so I want to throw in my two cents as well. As always, yeah, super cool, super cool. As always, we appreciate you guys going on iTunes and leaving us ratings and reviews and critiques at um, This American Horror Story Podcast, emailing us your questions and comments at thisamericanhorrorstory at gmail.com, and of course, uh, liking us on Facebook, leaving us comments there at This American Horror Story Podcast on Facebook. So with that, um, let's go ahead and wrap it up. Until next week, if there is one next week, otherwise a couple weeks, happy hauntings and thanks for joining us, everybody. 
This girl is on fire. You know that Alicia Keys song? I do. <laughs> I, obviously, I'm using that as our outro. <laughs> she's just a girl and she's on fire. fire.